0: Hi, I'm John Niehaus, Director of Program Development for the National Association of Flight Instructors. I'd like to welcome you to this edition of the NAFI More Right Rudder Podcast, the podcast for flight instructors on the go. And today I have a special guest, uh, Kimberly Dawn of Advancing Aviation, a good friend of mine, and... uh, Somebody who's helping me out on some really special projects here at nafi i i've twisted her arm to uh, come and talk to uh, to me today about some things because frankly i 'm not qualified to have this discussion um, <laughs> The funny thing is is it's it's the the brainchild discussion of something that uh, that i 've had with a few individuals lately and it 's about the idea that there are a lot of groups in aviation, a lot of really wonderful groups in aviation this includes ngPA women in aviation. Uh, OBAP, and and all of the other alphabet groups out there that are supporting um, individual uh, groups of people and demographics. NAFI is a huge supporter of all of those groups. And the thing is, is that I realized that we have the challenge, um, one that we are welcoming, um, to try to figure out the the best things from each of those groups and, and try to incorporate them into NAFI because we are Inclusive, we want to be inclusive, and and we are a collection of individuals from all of those groups. And so I approached Kim and and just wanted to talk about what it's like to be a a woman in aviation. What is it like to be a female instructor? Um, Not that we're trying to talk about the differences because we're all um, instructors, but uh, I don't understand what that's like. And so, Kim, I'm going to throw that question on you.
1: Okay, what is it like? Um, First, before I I get into that, um, the reason I accepted this invitation to come on the podcast is because I I firmly believe, as you do in creating and establishing more community within flight training, I believe that um, creating community And being inclusive and not excluding any specific groups and actually acknowledging, say, the types of minority groups that we want and including everybody means that the environment of flight training becomes more comfortable. And once you're more comfortable and the cortisol levels in your brain decrease, then learning happens and fun happens and friendships happen. And I am all about that. So I really appreciate you having me as a guest on this podcast. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the question is, what is my experience? Um, Specifically, as a woman in aviation, there's stats that are all over the place. I've seen stats that 4.5% of um, pilots in aviation are female. I've seen stats that 5.5% of of captains on any airlines are female. I've seen stats, you know, it's usually around the 5% mark of women in aviation in general. And I I have a bit of unique perspective, and I will give that to you, but I have to put on the caveat that this is just one person's perspective. Anybody listening to this podcast will obviously have their own experience. It could be better. It could be worse. It could be unique to themselves. It could be very similar to mine. So this is just my one person's uh, perspective. Now, I do have over two decades of experience in aviation, so I have a few stories, (laughs) but um, that's where we're going to start. So in our, in our chats leading up to this, um, you asked me how I was treated in a way or, or what it's like from a specifically female perspective. And I thought about it, and there's really three major types of, w- three major ways that I get treated by men. So let's call it three major groups of, of men in aviation and how they interact with me specifically being a woman. And that first group is my favorites, Uh, people like you, who are like a a man in aviation that looks at me and sees a person, and you ask my opinion on things, and uh, even if I get the answer wrong to some of your questions, then you respect the answer, and we have a back and forth conversation, and it's just human to human, and there's no specific special way that you treat me. Now, obviously this is, this is all a scale and it's not hard and fast lines between the three groups. I'm just trying to help enlighten you on, on some of it. Mm -hmm. So the first group is, is awesome. I enjoy uh, dealing with people just like you, that there's just a colleague. Very kind. (laughs) The second type of, of way that I get treated by men in aviation is men that assume and treat me as if I shouldn't be there. And I wish I could say this didn't happen, but it does. So I get treated like I shouldn't be there. I don't deserve to be there. I'm also incapable of being there. And by being there, I mean in the classroom, in the cockpit, on the ramp, anywhere in aviation whatsoever. And there is never a person that stands in front of me and never a man that stands in front of me that says, you shouldn't be here. You should be in the kitchen, right? I've had passengers on my flight say that to me uh, as I climbed into the cockpit, but never colleagues. It's never overt like that because that's a huge HR nightmare and people kind of understand that now.
0: That makes me cringe just thinking about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's passengers like to be anyways. Yeah. But how it it shows up in aviation uh, with colleagues and with people that I work with is not overt and it is. It comes up in stories and in conversation and how they present themselves. For example, um, some of the pilots or captains I was flying with, now this is, can be a flight instructor and flight student dynamic as well, but some of the captains that I'd fly with when I was a first officer would fly with me and constantly tell me stories about the other girl pilots that the company had had in the past that did things wrong. Um, this female pilot burnt up one of the engines she hot started right this female pilot uh, caused a whole bunch of hangar rash this female pilot couldn't do this right or couldn't do that right and it was just a constant bombardment disguised as conversation oh I wasn't I wasn't talking about her because she's a woman I talked about her because she was an incompetent pilot but it would never never come up about any of the men pilots in the past right so it's it's insidious the way it, it presents itself. Um, and the third type, I could tell stories about that, but I think that clearly illustrated what I was talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, the third type of way that I get treated from men in aviation is treated like they don't know how to handle me at all. <laughs> I'm going to, to tell you a quick story that, growing up, I grew up with eight siblings. Now, both of my parents remarried and seven of those siblings are brothers. So my mother remarried, my father remarried. And so from a very young age, very, very young, I had a huge family and seven brothers. Let's just say that my frilly dress princess stage didn't last for very long if I wanted to hang out with my siblings at all. I had to be with my muck boots on. I had to be out in the barn. I had to be with them jumping into the hay bales and into the sawdust. I had to be trekking through the bush, right, Um, if I wanted to, to hang out with my siblings at all. So it made me very comfortable. I have an entire lifetime of watching boys beat each other up and pick on each other and talk to each other and you know, go through school problems together. And, and I watched them, how they interacted with my parents and with their friends and with their girlfriends. So I can see, and I can inject myself. That's why one of the reasons, you know, being a female in aviation is so comfortable for me because I know how it works. But those seven brothers only had one baby sister, right? And I was very young for their entire lives. So they, they don't, it's not like there's one boy in a family of seven girls. So in aviation, I am often surrounded by the men that just don't know how to treat me because they're scared. I've had many uh, men refuse to even be my friend because they're worried that their wives are going to get jealous or get mad because it's just not okay to have female friends. And therefore I'm the one person sitting in the pilot lounge that's not allowed to talk to anybody. It sounds extreme but i have been in this situation before um i've had in a training environment if i'm in ground school of course i'm in a room filled with men in ground school sharing a table with somebody sitting next to me um let's say when i i learned one of the type ratings i ask a question to the instructor and the guy next to me goes yeah i'm i'm curious about that too So, the instructor walked toward us, walked around the table to the other person's, like the the guy sitting next to me, leaned over his shoulder, pointed at the paper in the book over him, and answered the question, but didn't even acknowledge me at all. And that's another kind of insidious way that it happens that he answered my question, right? Of course. So, she asked a question, I answered a question. Can't say that he didn't, can't say that he ignored me at all, but he actually didn't address me. He addressed the person next to me that goes, Hey, yeah, I think, I think about that too, right? So it's, it's almost never overt when I'm treated differently. Does that make sense?
0: It does. It does. And it, it, it kind of makes me wonder, you know, um, in addition to the things that you just mentioned, what kinds of things we're subconsciously doing and, and just don't even know it. Yeah
1: there's, um, there's a, a section to that I was thinking about as well. And there's a lot of subconscious stuff. I can't speak from the men's perspective, but there's a lot of subconscious stuff that I've been taught to do and how to handle myself. And even though Dr. Brené Brown, one of my favorite researchers, um, you know, psycho, uh, psychology researchers, uh, says there's eight to 10 different ways that women get held as valuable in society, the two major ways are if I'm gonna have value to anybody else in society, I have to be both nice and pretty. Now, this isn't just taught to you, this is taught to me. I am taught that I, if I have to have value to anybody, I have to be nice and I have to be pretty. For example, if I show up somewhere and my hair is not done, or if I don't have makeup on, or if I'm not dressed nicely, let's say I wear pajama pants to the grocery store, right? If I show up somewhere not looking nice, then I'm treated like, oh, something's wrong with Kimberly. Something's, oh, your hair's not done. Something's wrong. Did you not do what you were supposed to do to show up and, and be here properly? Go home, right? Whereas if you were to show up in, in a similar environment, slightly disheveled, they would most likely come and tell me if this is true or not, but they would most likely come like, oh, John, rough night. All right, get in here. Let's do this.
0: I'm right? disheveled on a regular basis. Exactly, and I.
1: And another way is I have to be nice. So if I have, to, I constantly have to people please. This is just a, a thing that's taught to fem, uh, females. Um, that if I'm assertive, if I'm aggressive. You know, you get the B word thrown uh, thrown around quite a bit. But if I'm not nice and I'm slightly irritated and I'm slightly grouchy and. And I show up to, you know, work environment, training environment, whatever it is, I have a scowl on my face. Actually, I have a pers- uh, personal example from this when I was doing my instructor reading, but if I have a scowl on my face, then something is not right with Kimberly. She's, oh, are you having problems or are you, is it that time of the month? You know, there's all sorts of comments and jokes that are made. And it's very easy to brush off because I have practice brushing it off. But there's I'm always still treated like something's wrong if I'm not perfectly nice at all times. Whereas in that environment, if you were to show up slightly irritated, a little grouchy, right? They'd say, oh, John's John's a bit of a bear today, but get in here. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. I'm expected to fix myself and everyone else will just treat you like it's something that they have to uh, um, be okay with
0: yeah you know and and like I said, it's it's very interesting to hear these things. Um, not that I, I haven't heard some of those things before, but it's valuable to hear them again. Um, <laughs> and people can't see me, but during some of those stories, like my face was cringing and and it's because you know, I, I'd like to believe uh, you know that that I haven't done that. Uh, type of thing and and maybe I have in the past and I just don't remember or don't know because it wasn't an impactful event for me but it could have been an impactful event for somebody else um, and the fact that it makes me uncomfortable is something that solidifies to me that it's a conversation worth having um yeah. and it's it's not to uh you know villainize uh instructors or you know um any of that kind of stuff but i think that we need to understand this is something that takes place it's something that happens whether we choose to believe it or not and it happens with multiple different groups and we have to find a way to understand that um you know without being patronizing or um you know, in in a a overly, I don't know how to say this overly sympathetic, <laughs> but that's not the right way to say it. But you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm just doing this because it's quote unquote the right thing to do. It's something that that I believe is is the right thing to do, and it's something that Naffy believes is the right thing to do because of the large swath of of membership that we have of every sort of demographical difference. And, and if we don't understand the differences, then we can't celebrate the differences. And that's really where your word of community comes in.
1: Right. And, and that's leading back to exactly what I knew that this was going to be about. When you asked me to do this, I never got the sense that you were looking at Kim going, oh, like a sick puppy. Oh, she's, she's had so much hardships. We've got to be nice to her. <laughs> the feeling that I got when you asked me to do this was, that you truly, genuinely wanted to understand because there is a benefit to all instructors to understand one person's perspective. It increases compassion, it increases community, it increases understanding, which increases learning, lowers stress levels, lowers cortisol. So being able to address the uncomfortable topics in in my perspective, and I believe it's from your perspective as well, that um, it helps everybody. It's not just that you feel sorry for one group and you want them to, you know, get the spotlight and feel better about themselves for a moment. It's just actually having everybody understand everybody else helps the collective.
0: Yeah. We, we learn from each other on a uh, level playing field that we wouldn't otherwise do. And also, you know, when you take it back to the fact that flight instructors are serving a, a client A customer, you know, we can call them students, we can call them learners, um, but ultimately, if we really want to look at what we do we are we are serving a client we are serving people that are spending thousands of dollars to accomplish a goal with us and. (laughs) It is on our instructors to understand how to serve their students. And you're not always going to have a student who's exactly like you. And that's the way the world works. And that's why the world is great because not everybody is the same, but you have to put in the effort and the footwork to understand that, um, you know, there are are differences. There are cultural sensitivities. There are, um, you know, just different ways of how people interact and, it's it's better for everybody
1: yep i can i give you a personal example
0: absolutely so
1: um i was working at a really wonderful flight school in vancouver uh british columbia about 15 years ago as a junior instructor um but having a sit around chit chat with the other instructors there about some of the clientele that comes in we had a group of older gentlemen come in so adult learners Um, helicopter pilots who were coming in for some IFR training now IFR training is not something that's common for helicopter pilots so it's a very unique group they have special learning needs because they're older they have special learning needs because they're helicopter pilots trying to train in a fixed-wing IFR environment because of their company sent them there's all, all that was happening so having a chit chat with the the other instructors who weren't really interested in learning someone else's perspective they said, Oh, I, I'm going to make up a, a name. I'm going to use your name because I'm just going to make it up. Huh. Oh, I'm to fly with John. Oh, he just doesn't get it. He takes forever. Kimberly, fly do you, you want to fly with him? Right. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll fly with him. And so I had probably an hour conversation with John. And when we finally got through the, hi, how are you? lies, um, Hi, how are you? I'm great. You know, it's a lie. <laughs> He's like, We sat down, we had a cup of coffee. He goes, You know what? I'm struggling. I feel like I'm surrounded by children who are just picking this up fast. I feel stupid. I feel like I'm never going to get this and I want to quit. And so I I talked to him and I I figured out more of it. And and I'm not going to bother getting into exactly what I said to him. But he ended up passing um, his IFR ride. And then two weeks later, my chief came to me and he said, Kimberly, we have another influx of these helicopter pilots from this one company and all six of them want to fly with you. Hmm. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And he goes, yeah, because John went back to his company and said, there was one person there that tried to understand me and she did. And then I passed and it felt amazing. So now every single one of his colleagues wanted to come back. So there's a financial benefit to really trying to understand your customer.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And, um, you know, I suppose I'll uh, begin to kind of wrap this up with the same idea that we started with. And that's the idea that for NAFI to grow as an organization, I mean, this is a NAFI podcast. (laughs) For NAFI to grow, we are continuing to build the organization in a viewpoint forward. And what we want to do as anybody would is pick and choose the best things that we can and find ways to integrate those into what we already have.
1: And -hmm. that's where
0: all of this comes from. And that's why we have so many friends in all of these different organizations um, because we're watching in the same way that they're watching us. We're trying to figure out what are the values uh, that they have that, that we need to incorporate because we might not have yet? What are the programs that their uh, individual members are just you know ecstatic about? Because maybe I could do the same thing. That's how NAFI continues to get better.
1: Mm-hmm. I entirely uh, uh, agree with that. And I, I believe that future forward or future thinking Is how we're going to be able to change the industry and be that leader and slowly trickle out the ideas to other flight schools, individual uh, flight instructors, flight training students eventually as well.
0: Well, Kim, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. Um, Your your, uh, insights on the matter are, are extremely valuable. Oh, I
1: appreciate that. As long as I say right at the end that this is one person's opinion, and other women are going to have other ideas, but I hope it does help us move forward.
0: I think it'll be just the beginning of a much larger and longer conversation. Now, I usually dedicate these episodes to some sort of sponsor. And I know that uh, um, you probably wouldn't have let me do this if I had told you I was about to. So I'm going to say uh-huh. that this episode of the More Right Writer Podcast is sponsored by Advancing Aviation <laughs> Kim, what's the website? Uh,
1: www.advancingaviation.com. I would highly suggest anyone who wants to check us out, uh, go to Facebook and look up a Facebook group called top instructor and student. It's my baby. It's my community where I teach and mentor flight instructors specifically and flight training students specifically on how to be awesome.
0: Every day. And I have no idea how she does it
1: every day yes i do teach live every day in in the group
0: <laughs> so yep check it out and uh, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast please do we are on all the major platforms so thank you so much kim and uh, everybody have a great day
1: thanks john